Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. This is a podcast where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond small talk and social media posts we're bombarded with on a daily basis. Join me on a journey where I speak to people from all backgrounds with different perspectives, each sharing their stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with KK. Today, I sit down with my dear friend, Dina Kalati. Dina and I speak about love and loss. Is grief something that goes away, or is it something that stays with you for the rest of your life? Dina is a parenting and mindfulness coach, and this is the first time she's speaking on a podcast, and it is a true honor. Dina talks to me about her relationship with two very special souls, her baby girl, Serena, and her sister-in-law, Dorina. She shares how they both impacted her life and the life of others while they were alive and even after they passed away, till this very day. Can one be happy again after loss? Is there hope after tragedy? Dina tackles some of these questions and more. Dina also talks about why she decided to become a parenting coach and how she embraced her Judaism wholeheartedly. This is an episode that will leave a lasting impression on your heart. Enjoy the show. Just grab a box of tissues before you start. Hi, everyone. I am here with the remarkable Dina Kalati. She's sitting here with me in my home. I'm so, so excited to have this interview. Dina has so much wisdom and value to share with us today. So thank you for being here, Dina. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming here. Actually, I asked Dina to be on the podcast like a year ago, but you weren't ready at the time. And I appreciate you telling me that. But I feel like now we're ready. For those who don't know you, can you just tell the listener a little bit about yourself so um honestly i'm really honored to be on your podcast to be even thought of to be interviewed i honestly didn't know why you asked me i was kind of um confused with that but um i i'm a mother i um have four lovely children um and I recently got certified as a parenting coach, a mindfulness instructor, and a teacher, a yoga teacher. So these are things that I love. And I think that's kind of just, those are the things that kind of make me who I am. So tell me how you became a parenting coach. Because I know this has been, this has been something you're doing for quite a few years, years now. Yeah, at least I would say like five, six years. Yeah. yeah. So what motivates you about that? It began, I would say about, maybe seven, eight years ago, um, we were on a vacation, on a trip with family for Pesach in Florida. And I was sitting around the table with my, my in-laws and my, my children and my, my brother-in-law and his wife, Darina. Um, we were very close and we were just having dinner and talking and this was like a few days into our trip and they, I think they were noticing that my kids were really just like clingy and complaining all the time and just 
super needy and and one night I'll never forget this this was like the turning point of my parenting I don't know experience or whatever you want to call it um my daughter one of my daughters was just complaining and nagging and whining and it was like a few days into the trip and and I my father-in-law was that my in-laws noticed I was a little agitated and I wasn't relaxed and they wanted me to be relaxed and comfortable so they were trying to kind of just shut her up and and just get her to calm down and they were like come on it's enough no more crying and I'll never forget this my sister-in-law um, she passed away just seven months ago she was so wise she was like Dina I think she just needs you to hold space for her and I remember looking at her like what is this girl talking about like what the <laughs> hell does that even mean like what does that mean to hold space for someone and so I literally asked her that I'm like what does that mean and that was the beginning of this journey into getting to know myself, getting to understand why I was parenting the way I was. And I realized that I had a deep passion for parenting and conscious parenting. And so she really, really helped introduce that to me. Um, and yeah, we began coaching soon after that vacation. She was already a life coach and she helped me. And um, I remember yeah. when you made your announcement, actually, yeah. I remember it vividly. You she made challenged an, me to that. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I actually, when you made the <laughs> announcement, I was like, I see inklings of Dorina in this. I Maybe. feel like it was Dorina inspired, but also yeah. like you had the courage to like, you know, quote unquote, come out as a parenting coach. It was like your 35th birthday, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, I remember it. Wow. Because it was like, yeah, it was very yeah. impactful, I remember. Wow. And I just remember being so proud of you. I feel like in our community, it's not condoned to like publicize yourself and say, everybody like, look at me. I feel like our culture yeah. is different. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, right? Like, like just keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Just like, be a lady. Don't talk too much. Yeah, like, be, humble. be humble. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not that what you did wasn't humble, God forbid. Yeah, but it can get confused for sure. People yeah. are not used to it because we don't, you know, the women in our community weren't trained to like, do that but in the Ashkenazi community like you see it much more often so I remember when you made that comment on Facebook you made that post I was very inspired by you I was like wow go Adina like you found something that you love to do and you're you're putting it out there in the universe I feel like conscious parenting has a lot to do with your own inner parenting also, like a lot of mindfulness, as you said, I feel like it's all connected. It's all connected. The yoga it's and the mindfulness. Yes, the breathing, the consciousness, the connection. It's all part of it. Yeah. So exactly. It was very beneficial to me personally. And I remember when I got interviewed for my school, the lady asked me, like, what do you want to do with this afterwards? And I told her, I'm like, honestly, I'm not here to like start a business. I really just need to do this for myself. Where? That's what I told her, and I'm like, if you don't want to take me, that's fine, because I know they, they wanted us to continue and, you know, get more clients for them, and so I told her up front, I'm like, this is something I need for myself, and the rest will be bonus. Like if I get clients or whatever, if this grows, that's wonderful, but that's number one for me. I need to like, not fix my parenting, but definitely 
evolve in my parenting. I need mm-hmm. to see a different perspective. I need to explore something else because nothing is like that. The other way is just not working. What's the other way that you're talking that you're talking about? Like, ah, oh, for me, it was all about control. Mm-hmm. Like Dina, if you're gonna be a good mother, you have to be controlling. You have to make sure your home is immaculate. You have to make sure your children are bed at a specific hour every night. Um, you know, if you, you have, to be a good parent, you need to have your kids dressed a certain way. Um, you need to act a certain way. Your kids have to be, they have to have a certain reputation. It was all about control. And I felt anything but in control. I felt like out of control all the time. I felt like the angriest mother and no one would believe me. I felt like no one could... Yeah, I don't believe you right now. I'm like, how can you be angry? (laughs) And I felt so alone because no one would talk about their parenting struggles. And I felt like I'm this psycho mother who cannot get a grip on herself and has, like, is just messed up. And I really thought that that was just my reality and I'd never be able to change. I remember the first thing I actually worked on was my anger in parenting for years. Hmm. That was my focus. Let me work on my anger. And like, then years later, I realized, wow, this is really deep. Like, you know, through the process of coaching and going through that school, I realized that there is so much buried, you know, deep inside me that was coming out and in these unhealthy and uncharacteristic, like very uncharacteristically of me, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't make sense. Like nothing made sense. I was like, Dina, like you're this really nice, friendly person on the outside, but then at home, you're this like insanely scary person like this isn't this doesn't match there's something off you know Mm -hmm. so there a lot of like the soul searching and the digging all began like with with Darina that that's when it all began but um yeah yeah wow It, it was hard it was painful very hard and painful and it still is and it's not perfect and that's not at all what this parenting style is about it's about being present and awake and evolved and you know and also messing up over and over and over again but Mm -hmm. instead of beating yourself up and feeling this shame around your parenting which I had for years it's instead it's like switching it around and just being like oh you're human okay you messed up okay how can you fix this how can you repair the rupture as we used to call it Mm -hmm. in school repair the rupture like how am I going to go back to my child sit down and have a conversation and apologize and not only apologize, try to work on making it better next time. Beautiful. And that's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. Can you give like one piece of parenting advice to, to me <laughs> and the listener? Oh, like what, if we, let's say our child triggers us or makes us angry, what's a way, or we see something that we really don't like? in our child, whether they're behaving in a certain way mm-hmm. or doing something that's inappropriate, what's a way to connect to the child and at the same time maybe teaching them a lesson? So you're asking like, what would you do if you see something in your child that you just really don't like? That and you don't you like, like- you're getting triggered and- And like you wanna fix- You wanna fix it. Yeah. You wanna fix that about the child. Yeah. So, I would say that first of all, like we want to really try to stay away from fixing our kids or like trying to mold them into what we want, because honestly, that's a very limited way of looking at our children. 
And when we do see a behavior that is negative, it could, like, literally on the... Yeah, let's say we see a concerning behavior. It's a concerning behavior, fine. Then you definitely want to ask yourself, like, what does this child really need? Like, what could be going on for this child in this moment, today, three hours ago, a second ago, last night? Could there have been something that could have maybe triggered this response of this behavior in that child. Mm -hmm. So it's like starting to ask questions and starting to get curious because if you're just judging that immediate behavior, that superficial behavior that's on the surface, then you're never going to really understand what, what's going on for your child. So the more you, you start getting in tune, you start questioning, Oh wait, where was my son? Like a few hours ago, which friends was he around? Oh, look, he's what was he just in. watching? What was he just watching? Exactly. Yeah. Like, was he on like, hours on end on his, you know, switch or on the TV? Did he sleep enough? Did he Is sleep he hungry? well? Is he hungry? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, all these different questions. When you start to question instead of react immediately to that, again, superficial behavior, you're missing the point. So, like, mm-hmm. so if you start to ask, then you start to get, you start to realize, wait, now I'm learning about my child. I start to see what his what he is comfortable around, what he, what he gets inspired by, what he doesn't enjoy. And you mm-hmm. start to really follow your child's path. You don't, you don't go according to you. You go according to them. Mm-hmm. And that's where things start to shift. You start to notice that behaviors aren't as extreme anymore. You start mm-hmm. to notice that there's a more of a conversation instead of an attack, you know? Little things start to switch and shift. I would say. Right. So, Dina, I know that we grew up kind of the same way. We both, we grew up in the Mashadi Persian community of Great Neck, and we both attended, I mean, I know you went to to Yeshiva for a little bit. Eighth grade, yeah. Okay, so I went to fourth grade, and then after eighth grade, you went to a public school. Yes. Right. So I also did. And I think I really resonate with a lot of your upbringing because it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And now today we're both Shomer Shabbat. We, we try to observe a lot of things in Judaism. So tell us about your journey to Judaism. Okay. So I love talking about this because yeah. I, I, like you said, I went to yeshiva and, you know, I learned the basics and I understood it and you know, it felt right. And I always, always gravitated towards Judaism. You know, I felt this love and connection to the land of Israel, like all those typical things, you know. But somewhere along the line, I think somewhere in high school probably, I started drifting away because I felt that, or maybe even in middle school, I don't even know if I was fully connected there. Um, I just felt as though... I needed to fit in with everyone else. And I think that's very typical and normal and healthy. But it was very challenging because you feel like you're not really part of anything. Like you just don't feel like you really fit in ever. Yeah. And but you really want to and you're trying so hard and you know and so I kind of lived that lifestyle for definitely throughout high school, college, and even early in my marriage. Um, and so I would say, yeah, I just really didn't have this strong identity. I had, I loved going to synagogue every week. I, that was, I loved it every week. Um, 
the holidays for me were the most exciting. Thank God we always kept them in my home. And, you know, but eating kosher wasn't always a thing. I yeah. would eat out at, you know, non-kosher restaurants. Same. I wouldn't eat meat out, but I was eating, you know, pizza. I was having sushi, and, which is all fine. But again, that was just me. Not It wasn't about me... Um, wanting to like really enjoy that lifestyle it was more about me running away from my identity mm-hmm. it was like i didn't want to face the fact that i'm jewish i didn't want to face the fact that i have you know a different path i just didn't want to face it it was too scary i thought it was not cool i thought it was too much of a burden like it wasn't exciting for me i didn't have role models i had no zero role models Right. So I was like, why would I try to be more Jewish? Why would I try to be more observant? It's just not, it's just looked down upon. Yeah. You might lose your friends. You might lose yeah. the respect oh of your God. family. I would have lost all my friends. Like back then, right. that's, it just, I would have lost everything. Unheard of. It would have been unheard of for sure. And I didn't have that courage. I didn't have that support. I didn't have, I didn't have it in me back then for sure. It just, it wasn't the timing for me, you know? Yeah. But I always had a love for Judaism, and I and I, I always was curious about it. I actually remember your in-laws. Your in-laws were the first family that I saw as a modern Orthodox family, because my cousin Seppi married into yeah. the family, and I remember being like, wow, wow, they keep Shabbat, and they're it still exists. still with it. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember being very inspired by them. Wow. They were the first family that I saw as, like, a visual, you know, that I really loved and was... That's funny. Of, like, I think I saw life. that, too. Yeah? I feel like they were one of the very few modern Orthodox yeah. families in our community, because in yeah. our community, it was either, like, traditional... I don't think, like, anyone was... Majority of Mishadis are, like, non-observant at all i feel like we have like we have some we have the traditional like they keep shabbat friday night they do the shabbat dinner and then you have another extreme like all these people who went to very very religious school and then they have a totally different hashkafa from their parents right but it was hard to see someone in the middle middle yeah yeah so at what point in your life did that shift from like you know, just like a basic love for Judaism in Israel to more concrete, like, I want to make this more of a lifestyle. Mm. I know there's not one answer, but I think, I think you have a few experiences. Um, I think it became very, very evident and clear to me when I had my second child. Yeah, let's talk Um, about that. Yeah, so I had a baby. Her name was Serena. God bless her. Um, she was born healthy, beautiful, and just normal and perfect. And within a few days, we realized that she was born with a very rare genetic disease. Um, and we were told that we have to lift up, pack up, and move mm-hmm. um, to Minnesota for six months. Actually, for an unknown amount of time. We didn't know for how long. So I was this young mother, like just had I was I had all these dreams and like I was so excited that I was gonna have a sister for my older daughter and just so close in age like it was just I was in shock I was really just numb and in shock and in disbelief honestly and um yeah we picked up our life and we we moved there and that experience was the most like life-changing 
impactful like months of my life. I think it really, really set my priorities straight. I think it woke me up. Um, and it changed my life forever. And honestly, it really changed my life for the better. It really took me on a different path. And I know it sounds crazy. And I know that, you know, people, it's hard for them to understand like what experience I had and how I didn't get like so torn from it and so crushed and, and pull away from Judaism or, or just be so negative about it. If anything, I love talking about it and I feel that it was a beautiful, very challenging, but a beautiful experience for me. And I, I just received love, support, mm -hmm. kindness, community. generosity, community. I, I felt it firsthand for the first time on the receiving end. Like I was always on the giving. I was always the one who would love to do chesed. I love to do events and help others. But for the first time I was receiving that and I felt like, wow, we are the luckiest people on earth. Like how, how many people can say that they can bring their entire family with them, go move somewhere else, yeah. have a place to stay, be given like an abundant amount of love and support from your community at home, plus this new random community that you just suddenly plopped right into and be given like anything that you need, anything you need at a drop of a dime. Like I'm here for you, whatever you need. I don't even know who you are. So I immediately felt like I am the proudest person. Like I, I, I felt for the first time that no, I want to be outwardly Jewish I don't wow. want I don't want to hide it anymore. I'm sick and tired of pretending and and believe me even then I it didn't start really then. I mean, I felt it still within me, but it didn't show for years later. Like I really took actions and steps very little at a time. Very baby step, baby step, baby step. I didn't do things quickly at all. But what was very clear to me is that I'm not going to be ashamed of putting Hanukkah, you know, decorations on my window. I'm not. That's not me anymore, and I don't care. You want to make fun of me? Make fun of me. Like, or to make a big deal out of holidays. Or and God bless, like Mrs. Vuitton. She yes. really also like our dear Rabbanit. <clears throat> she really inspired this love of Torah, love of Judaism, of um, pride, having yeah. pride in your Judaism. Like she also that they were a huge role model for me. Her and her husband, Rabbi Vuitton, and their family. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it all sparked and began, I would say. Yeah. So I had um, the honor of reading your book, uh, Serena's Legacy. I actually finished it last night, and I couldn't stop crying. It was so beautiful, so touching. But at the same time, I told you that even though it was, it was so sad to see like the pain that this young girl went through and what you and Kami went through and your, your parents, his parents, your family. I was also so inspired by the community, by the love, mm -hmm. by the giving and the generosity that you were saying. Mm -hmm. It was so, it was beautiful and sad at the same time. Yeah. You know, exactly. like, I was weeping reading your book, but then I finished it and I was like, wow, I, I want to be a better Jew. I, I want to, I want to learn more Torah. I want to do more chesed. Mm, that's amazing. Like, wow. 
your daughter, may her memory be blessed. Like she really, she inspired me till today. And I think people should really take this book and hopefully it's going to be donated. Yeah. God willing. That's an idea. Yeah. To definitely, it's available. We have, we have copies and whoever is interested, of course, can reach out. And we're thinking of maybe selling it for a certain amount. We're not sure yet, but then donating it to an high lifeline probably because it's an organization that we have been touched by. So most likely there, but we're not a hundred percent sure just what we're going to do with it yet. Yeah. Beautiful. So how did you like at the time when you were going through this deep pain and it must've been very shocking for you that your dreams were crashed. How did you cling on to hope or to goodness instead of going into turmoil and being angry, mm-hmm. which I feel like would be the natural reaction mm-hmm. of most people. Yeah. How did you make this your guiding light? So to make it clear, I, I, I cried every day for six months, every single day. And in the book, actually, my mom says that she never saw me cry once. Yeah, I read which that. Which actually shocked me. And it's, it's made me sad because, but it also showed me my growth because I was so ashamed of showing my weaknesses around my family back then. But today, I cry around them all the time. <laughs> and so I was shocked when I read that because I didn't know that she had that perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I cried every day. But what helped me, I think, was first of all the the support, like having my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mo- my mom, my dad, my in-laws coming and going, um, the friends who would reach out and just beg to come and visit and, and come help out. Um, the new friends you made. The new, oh my goodness, the new that friends that we blown made away. that we still are in touch with, that we, you know, and that, that truly, truly, it wasn't a burden for them to take on this new f- couple, you know? They and the doctors did it with joy, and the nurses. Oh, and the way that they treated us and cared about us. And I felt like how I just had all the love and support in the world. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like without that. And also, I think whether this was good or bad, I'm not sure. But I didn't have the capacity to feel as I do today. I felt like I got through that because I was numbing a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the honest truth. I was numbing with exercise, you know, and, and um, then it's not all bad. I mean, they're healthy numbers, yeah. but, you know, I would exercise a lot. I would do a lot of shopping. I was at the Mall of America, the largest mall in the world. I mean, back, not anymore, but I was at the Mall of America all the time. I had a car, so I would just drive around. Um, but I feel like that helps you stay sane, you know? It helped me stay sane, I think. For but your I daughter, remember, for your yeah, other daughter. Yeah, I remember just telling, I would drive in the car by myself. I remember driving to the hospital and just praying to Hashem, like, if this baby isn't meant to live, please don't make me too close to her. Please, I can't what? handle it. I'm like, please, Hashem, don't, I can't deal with it. So... I promise you, like, I would just, I would go every day. In the morning, I'd go check on her, make sure she's, you know, okay. I would leave for a little bit. I'd come back. 
I'd shower, I'd, I'd bathe her. That was like, yeah. I loved cleaning her up and just changing her sheets. And I love that. And, and, um, it's okay. Take your time. I really just, I did what I wanted to do. You know, I couldn't do any more than that. And I realized that it's okay. Like, I couldn't be there all day long. And I didn't want to be. And I knew she had the best nurse. Like, if I didn't know that, I wouldn't be comforted to leave her. I wouldn't. There's nothing like leaving a baby in a hospital. And not knowing, like, how she's going to be treated. Like, if they're going to make sure she's okay. And... I know it's just a baby, but it's still yours. So I remember sometimes just being like, it is what it is. Like, I just can't do it, you know? And I would, and I really just did what I needed. Like in that moment, I needed to go exercise. I did that. If I needed to go for a walk or I needed to go to a nice restaurant, like, or get a coffee or, you know, the weather there was so cold, but it was always sunny. Like, you don't see slush. You don't yeah. see messy rain. You don't see clouds. Like it was gorgeous sun every single day in the winter. So, and I love nature. I love weather. I love cold, hot. I love it all, the seasons. So I truly enjoyed the seasons there. And I remember that, it it just uplifted me. Like every morning I'd wake up to gorgeous sun. Even it was snow and white everywhere. Like it wasn't, it wasn't depressing. If I were to be here, I would have gone into a full-blown depression there's no doubt about it like I would not have been able to handle that but there was something about being alone there about like maybe letting you process it allow me to process do what I need Mm -hmm. like I discovered this like bakery with kosher bread and I remember going there every week and picking up bread for the family and I just loved it It just little little things or playing music and blasting it on the radio or in the shower and just crying and just releasing and because again, I didn't show it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have that. I just didn't have it in me back then. I thought it was a very weak thing to cry. Or, yeah. or maybe I felt like I was out of control. I couldn't stop. So there was a lot of shame around it back then. But now I'm like, wow, I would have cried nonstop. And I, would have, I wouldn't have been ashamed of it, you know? Or even just like cleaning her room with the wipes. You know, they would tell us like we have to keep the germs completely out. And we had to wear masks. Like it was all you know, really serious. And there were little things that were, I don't know, we just made it special. Like I realized something about myself through this process that I really, really, I'm very resilient and I can really make the best of everything. Like I, I don't mean to sound beautiful, like cocky or anything, no, but I really all. believe that I, I'm very adapt, like adaptive. What's the word? I don't uh, know. Yeah, like not, um, I guess. <laughs> I, don't know. I just can adapt to my environment and I, I love meeting new people. Like I love just being out there and enjoy. I don't know being in healthy environments. Healthy. I'm not saying like meeting any with people in any yeah. environment, but like I really, I don't know. There was just something very wholesome and beautiful about that experience, and I'll like I'm dying to go back to meet. I mean to just like I don't know to go back and just see what it's like and visit the hospital again. I don't know. I don't know if it's a good Do idea. Do you feel? That, but... Do you feel like going back would bring back haunting memories or do you feel like you're more at peace with it? Not at all. I don't think I ever had any haunting memories at all. Thank God. Um, 
really it was a miracle from God. I really don't know, but he gave me some strength. Or I just remember like when we got back during the Shiva, I remember just telling myself like, I just came to a realization that Hashem really loves me and he must have done this for me for something way bigger. Like I just remember thinking that to myself like, Hashem wouldn't do this for no reason. I know he did this to like change my life. I know it. Like I just knew I needed to get on track. It's like a super strength you had. It's, it's, it was definitely a super strength. I, I don't, it's not me. Like I really believe Hashem gave me something because I I do have a very strong belief in God. I do. And I... Did you always have a strong belief in God? I think I did. I think I always had it in me and I think there were certain moments in my life where I felt his presence in my life and I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. And I and I just I was like, you know what? There's definitely a God and and I, I, I am not gonna say I always had a very intimate relationship with God, but I always knew that there was a God and I I felt like there's some love or something with God. I did feel that and I believe every human being has that potential and has that ability. But um I think it was definitely embraced in my home. Like believing in God and trusting in God was very much vocalized in my home. So like I think maybe that's where it also came from. But I knew when she died, I knew that there was a greater purpose and I knew that Hashem still loved me. Like I didn't feel punished, which is very strange. Wow. You'd think that it was like the op- yeah. I'd have an opposite reaction, but I didn't. And again, I didn't control it. It was just the way I felt. Which it's unbelievable. is unbelievable. So- bizarre yeah um how was your husband so i think he had a different experience there yeah you know he definitely felt angry at first which is again very normal and healthy i didn't feel anger really which is again weird i don't know but he was very angry and um but then i think he got very inspired also i think he was very touched by the people there and when he got back, I mean, you know, I think it's very personal. That's something he would have yeah. to answer, but it, it's really, it was very personal. And I think we both, we did get closer to God. I don't think we distanced. I remember a friend of ours was watching Grey's Anatomy. An yes, episode. I read this in the book. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful. Say the story. Yeah, so, no, there was an episode on a baby dying, you know, and... And a friend of ours called us to warn us, you know, guys, this week's episode is, you know, um, it's maybe a little too much for you guys. I recommend you don't watch it. And I remember Kang and I looking at each other and like, we're like, we're oh, we want to watch this. Like, and, and we felt like the peace when we, we could cry about her together. And, you know, there was, that was something I'm so grateful for because, um, actually my aunt had a child also that passed away after less than a year. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, and she told me at the funeral, she's like, Dina, make sure that you cry with your husband. Make sure you allow him to feel his feelings. Make sure you don't but let him bottle it up. And I was like, yeah, no, like for sure. That's, I really hope he can allow it and let it out and, and process it because otherwise we all know that stuff builds up and it just, it gets unhealthy, so. Yeah, what I find remarkable, Dina, is that besides the fact that you got closer to Hashem after this tragedy. You also, from what I'm seeing, you also got closer to your husband from the tragedy when, mm-hmm. you know, these types of things can really 
it can break a, a marriage yeah. Yeah. when there's so much stress in a marriage or a family it can break the family apart but you both had the strength to proceed and be there for each other and no matter what yeah i think listen we all go through different sets of challenges and you know we've been through other challenges and this one for me was just i don't think we could have blamed each other this was a child we both gave you know we created and this was something that was given to us by god i don't think there was any blame that could have happened there and on top of that we had this support system that gave us this ability to be at peace my husband didn't have to go back to New York and do work while I was alone with a baby. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. The circumstances didn't even allow us to get to that point. I'm sure that if I was left all alone, God forbid, somewhere without my husband, I would be terrified. I would be um, panicking. I would be... Totally different panic. situation. It would be a whole other situation. So I really, really have to say that because of our circumstances, it was it really didn't give us like... I'm not perfect. I, I would have probably, like, it would have, it may have gotten, like, messy. Who knows? Like, it may have gotten really uncomfortable and scary. And I don't know what would have happened. But... You know, I feel like, in a way, the kindness of strangers and the love and support from other people, that's wow. where we see God. Wow. Oh, you know? God. And I feel like that's how we perform acts of godliness in the world. Mm -hmm. That's how we bring Hashem into the world. And that's how we connect to Him, by, by emulating Him, by, by being there for each other, by listening to one another, by supporting each other, by, by giving and being generous and doing all these things that, you know, that Hashem would do for us. Yes. Yeah. So when we are performing acts of kindness for other people, we are helping other people see God in their life. So true. 100%. I mean, by me feeling that kind of love and generosity and care from like other random people was definitely a sign to me that Hashem is with me. There was no doubt. Like Hashem is literally holding my hand. I never, I literally felt him with me like it's this beautiful. every moment. I didn't feel alone once. Not once. Like, and that's, it's, it's crazy, you know? And the beautiful yeah. community of our community here and in Minneapolis. Yeah, very special community there. Very Thank Hashem. Thank well. God. Dina, yeah. because of what happened, you guys discovered that she had woman's disease. Mm -hmm. Did you ever know what woman's disease was before this? No, nothing about it. Nothing about genetic diseases. We had no clue. Yeah. So I want to explore that with you a little bit because I know from this incident that happened, everyone in our community all of a sudden started to do genetic testing. For Serena, no one was doing genetic testing. I don't think, maybe a few people. Yeah, no. But majority of people were not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really blew me away to get phone calls randomly from people. Um, I even got, I remember getting phone calls about couples realizing that they have, they're both carriers. And 
I mean, I was like, wow, if we saved even one life from coming into this world and having this, you know, unfortunate, um, you know, fate, it was just like, wow, this, we, we've done our job, you know? So yeah, people would call asking questions, asking where they can get tested. And it was just really, honestly, it felt so good to know that people took this seriously and didn't think it's just like us. It's just random, you know? This could have happened to any of us, you know? So really the community came together, the leaders came together to find a way to really, you know, teach it to the younger couples to help them get tested and promote it and not just, you know, make it a non-issue. So um, all the young couples from what I know now, they yeah. all get tested, which Everyone. is incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm still in shock when I hear that, but... There's so many incredible things that came out of her life, her short, impactful life. Um, and I think that any challenge in life has that ability. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that any challenge or any like true tragedy can have that power of literally changing the world. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but like that's what it did. It really changed my world and my everybody else's world. It changed who knows how many people's lives you know um just even the awareness and the openness and the dialogue about this was taboo yeah, you don't we didn't talk ta- about genetic no. diseases you don't talk about it this is not we're we're clean we're good like we don't we don't get sick you know and um yeah who would have thought that me and my husband would have been carriers who, who would have ever thought we were perfectly healthy like thank god and but that's genetic diseases don't you know they don't uh discriminate yeah they don't yeah. so um it's crazy and thank god there are so many resources out there now and and so there's so many organizations that yes. people can go to exactly. jewish organizations even hospitals who do it now specifically yeah. for whatever type of community you're from so we, because we're Persian, Mizrahi Jews, we have a different panel of testing than than Ashkenaz. Like exactly. So that's we've come a long way, and they've picked up on those diseases, and we can do a whole panel of them. And yeah, I think you know certain doctors' offices offer them, and some you have to ask them for it. So I'm not sure exactly about that, but um, there's definitely a way to find out and, and ask your doctor and make sure that you have that option. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember when you guys were advocating for people to get tested. In the beginning, it was like, wow, like this is bold. People didn't do this before. Like, go out loud and talk about genetic diseases. As you said, it was pretty taboo. Yeah, yeah. You know, that genetic diseases, infertility, and a lot yeah, of issues yeah. are taboo. Totally. In the Jewish community and our community specifically. So I really applaud you and Kami, your your parents, your in-laws for being behind you guys and being public about this, even though it may have been hard for you, mm-hmm. but to do it to to help other people and save other lives. You know, I, I felt early on, my dad didn't want me to share about it. He told me, I don't know, I think it's in the book. Um, he called me right before we left for Minnesota and he said, Tina, you know, people are asking what's going on and I think it's best we come up with a, you know, together we come up with something and share that with everyone. And so it's, you know, these things, you know, they, they get complicated. And I said, dad, you know what? 
that may work for you with all due respect. You know, that may work for you, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I cannot lie to my friends. I cannot make up a story and pretend that this is not, not what it is. Um, I can't, that's a doing a disservice to the people in my life. I can't do it. And it's doing a disservice to me. Yeah. It's going to actually hurt me. So, which by uh, the way, many, many people do that. I mean, it's, they, I'm sure. Yeah. And listen, some people really have a valid reason. Maybe that's, but I knew in my heart that I, I had this responsibility to share it. And I was comfortable with it, okay? Not everyone's comfortable. I was. And I, I respect people who, who yeah, aren't. You know, sometimes you're just not ready. And yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah, of course. And maybe at some point you will be and maybe you won't. And I, it's very personal. But I had no shame because um, I didn't feel shame. For some reason, I didn't. And I was like, no, we need to make sure that this is very public and that people know about this and that they can hopefully prevent something like this from happening. And that's it. There wasn't even a question about it. And then, thank God, because years later, my dad's the one who wants to write a book about yeah. the Holy Spirit. So it's like, what and happened? And he co-founded so the organization, Shore. My dad did amazing things. And he actually recently... Mr. Batman Kamali, if you're listening to this... <laughs> shout out to Bravo. Um, you're amazing. He really, you know, he recently actually found the gene that causes blindness in the community because of Serena. Wow. He went after this test. I knew he was doing the research. He was doing the research and actually during COVID they came out and they said, we found the gene and now they can do IVF and, and, and do a, you know, PGD, which is taking out the embryos, testing them, making sure that the, the, the embryos aren't sick and they aren't carrying that specific disease. So it's an incredible thing. I mean, this is, this is, unprecedented and my dad is you know i give him all the wow yeah credit for this i mean he's he's really special my dad yeah and yeah. my mom they're both and your amazing. mom yeah. yeah i i have a newfound respect for i mean i always respected your family and kami's family and all, both of you guys but after reading this book it's just like thank it's a you. new level wow thank you so much i'm really touched i didn't expect that i I was actually a little embarrassed when it first came out because I was like, what's the big deal? Like, she was just a baby. Like, why is it such a big deal? Even someone asked me, like, you know, why did you guys, like, have to do this? And not in a, mm-hmm. not in like a, she was Snarky just curious. <laughs> she was just like, well, why do you have to write a book? Maybe she just didn't get it or whatever, which is fine. But um, I guess when I hear these kind of responses, I'm assuming they're authentic and genuine. And I, I really... I, I honestly feel like it's it's just this is what happened. Like I don't think there's anything special about it, but people are very touched by it and I'm just so happy because then it was worth it was worth it, you know, it was worth all the work and the time and effort and all that stuff. So I'm I'm grateful. Thank you. It's beautiful. So let's talk about something that happened recently. I think you knew that coming here on the podcast we were gonna talk about Dorina, may her memory be blessed. Can you tell us about how Dorina impacted your life when she was alive and how she impacts her life today? Um, so, to be honest, like it's very hard to talk and describe about, like describe someone who was so special and so just just so special I don't know yeah at first when she passed away I remember feeling paralyzed like I couldn't talk 
I couldn't talk about her. I couldn't share about her. I couldn't, I had so many feelings and I couldn't understand what was going on for me. And um, I think I had never faced this kind of loss. I mean, losing a baby was something, but this was, people may think I'm crazy, but for me, this was a million times harder than losing a baby. I, losing a baby at that point in my life with the support that I had, and I don't know if that sounds like how that sounds, but I'm just being honest with yeah. you. Um, you know, I had, and, and it's funny because I didn't have, I didn't grow up with Darina. I got married and we actually didn't have an immediate, like we had an immediate bond. We did kind of click immediately, but you know, we were very, we lived very separate lives for a while until Serena got sick and until that I think that's when you guys got close and that's when we really that's when she showed up and she I mean I'll never forget the care package she sent me and I still have like the card and the cardigan and just everything so thoughtful and I think she was like the first person in my life that showed me she truly values me wow unconditionally unconditionally values me and my and my beingness like I didn't have to pretend with her I didn't have to act around her I didn't have to be someone I'm not I could really just be Dina you know and she would love me whether I'm doing something that's not so like great or I am whatever and she really just loved me for me and I never felt that I never really felt that from someone um, and I don't know, or just really being able to listen to you, like really listen from her heart and soul and to admire you, like to admire you. And for the first time feel admired for who I am. Like, I just thought I'm just this like <laughs> lost like person who has nothing to offer in this world. I really felt like I'm just a like, you love me. Like, yeah. Like you really what think if... I have something of value to give. Like you really want to take time to speak to me. And I know I'm not the only one who feels no. this way. I, I keep nodding with everything you're yeah, saying. Because I, I know like she, you know how that she had that felt. ability with, I think everyone. Yeah. She but I really think it was obviously connection. more special with you because you were close. Listen, we obviously we were put into each other's lives for a reason. And I know at first I didn't feel like I was worthy of our relationship, of her, her, her friendship. I didn't think I was worthy of it. I didn't think I'm enough because I felt like she was just on another level. I really did for many years. Mm -hmm. Only up until recently, I would say the past year or two, ever since she got sick, is when I started realizing my own worth and how we really did have a, you know, this very unique bond and sorry, it's very hard for me to talk about this because of course. it's hard to even know where to begin, you know? Yeah. Um, she just taught me everything. She taught me how to live. She brought me to life. I owe her my life. I really owe her and Hashem my life. Like she really saved my life. And in, in what way? Um, she helped me open up my voice. I couldn't talk. I was afraid to even say one word because I was afraid it would sound silly, it would sound childish, um, it would sound unintellectual, you know. I, I just felt, 
like I couldn't say a word and I also was brought up in a way to believe that you know women just you know keep yeah. quiet like we were all brought up just like how we were all brought up like yeah. don't 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 confront people don't stir the, the don't, don't stir, stir the anything pot. don't right. stir the pot just be a good girl just put on a smile <laughs> and just you know and, and 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 you know what and I did that forever I did that for the longest time but guess what I was so fake I was so fake she brought out this authentic side of me and she freed me. She literally liberated my life. Like, I promise you, it's like I felt like I had like a ton of weight on my body, on my shoulders. She literally lifted it off. That's what she did for me. So, I, unless you've been through a similar experience, I just don't think anyone can understand what that impact feels like. Like, what that really means in your life when someone is there for you unconditionally someone gets you like really gets you like nobody else like it's just yeah it's just i don't know it's just the greatest loss for me for the world for yeah. everyone who knew her and you know she told me she said she asked me this question before she passed she said dina like do you think you'll ever be able to replace me and i said no and we would just cry together and just cry and and I was like, no, I'll never, I'll never be able to replace you. And I know I'll be able to live. I know that I'll be able to move on. But I definitely, I definitely will never be able to replace her. There was nobody like her and there never nobody. was. Nobody. Nobody. And she, I'm very comforted. I don't know at this, I, I had a very, very rough six months, seven months. Yeah. But I couldn't talk about her. I couldn't. I was angry, I was confused, I was feeling shame, like thoughts and feelings I was having were insane about someone who's not here with us anymore, like very uncomfortable feelings that would come up for me and, and thoughts and everything and I, I was like, this is what she taught me to experience, this is what she wanted for me, like to allow It's like in a off. way, she like prepared you yeah she prepares really you for this did. she really did i mean i was put in the most uncomfortable situations in my entire life i i really my soul was bare like i couldn't i was the most vulnerable i've ever been in my life these past few months and literally i would say a month ago a month and a half ago is when i feel like something shifted inside of me i don't know how i don't know what i mean i did pray for it but i but still, I, I, I don't know what happened, literally. And I just, I came to life. I literally feel like I came back to life. And, and I don't regret any of what happened. I don't, I don't wish that it would have been different because I know I had to go there. I know I had to feel that pain. I had yeah. to feel that discomfort, that vulnerability, that, that lack, of, lack of control, that, I don't know, I just... You had to go rock bottom. You had yeah, to go deep, I deep, really deep. really had to. And I don't even know if I'm done with it. I'm not saying it's done. But it's definitely like... No, it ebbs and it's, flows. It's a flow. It's a process. It's like a journey. I, I don't know. I'm just... She's... Every day I think about her. Every day I talk to her or I talk to God about her. Like I, I truly just... I feel like she's part of me. She'll always be a part of me, you know? And um, 
I know that everyone shares this. I'm sure everyone is feeling the same way. Whoever knew her or was touched by her understands what I'm saying. I know that because I know I'm not the only one who received her love. She had an abundant amount of love to give to people because I think she was, she was truly... She was a giver. She was operating from a very um, transcendent place. She was operating from a soul level. So I felt like that was just, there was an abundance. There was never any shortage of, you understand what I'm saying? There was no shortage of that type of listening, love, compassion. Like it was just overflowing, overflowing. And she gave it to the last ounce that she could. She gave it to the people around her, you know? Dina, how does Dorina impact you today? Um, I think she impacts me. She gifted me with the, she empowered me to be able to learn Torah and study it and discuss it and not be afraid of it. And I think that is the greatest gift she's given me. And, um, and at the same time, she impacts me daily because I, anytime I feel discomfort, or pain, or anger, or sadness, loneliness, like, I'm just like at peace with it. That's it, this is what it is. I'm becoming friends with pain. I'm becoming friends with sadness. I'm becoming friends with jealousy. Like jealousy was something I was so ashamed of. But now- Like, like you felt okay. like you were a bad Jew if you were jealous. Yeah, oh my God, like that's unheard of. Or you're a weak person if you're jealous, or you're a bad person if you're jealous. No, like, understand where that jealousy is coming from have some compassion for it you know and yep. understand it help yourself grow from it and that's literally how she's impacting me every moment of every day the way she would just be so aware of her surroundings and and just the way she cared about every human being the way she acknowledged everyone around her these are the things that i will take with me every step of the way and that's how she's impacted my life to acknowledge my feelings, not to run away from them. Oh yeah. And to really feel them and to grow and to constantly grow. That's that's something she's imparted in me and and the Torah learning is 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 a big big part of that because the self oh, yeah. the self growth can only take you so far if you don't have that truth and that there's something about that divine truth. What you said right now? That's Dorina. You know, that's the impact of Dorina yeah. because that was divine. Like just, literally she would have just it, said that. Right. She would have said that. Yeah. That's what she she woke me up to realizing there's no book, there's no teacher, there's no self-help book. There's no self-help book. There's Guru. nothing <laughs> that can help you like the divine wisdom of a Torah. There's nothing. And the questions it brings up for you, the way it opens up your mind, the way it challenges your mind, the way it um, I don't know. It's just the way you make decisions in life because of learning it. It's amazing. Like, yeah. I, I love it and it, it excites me every week. And I don't know. There's just something. The, the answers of my week are there. Yeah. That's what happens. Like you literally find your answer for your life when you learn in this way. And in her way, by the way. Yeah. It's her Which is everybody... Way. Where everyone is, is looking at the characters of the Torah, of the Parsha, in a very compassionate way, in a very open-minded way. Not in a judgmental way of, 
oh my God, how dare she have treated her husband like that? How dare he have done that? No, it's like curiosity, compassion, openness. That that's what that's what she yeah she did for me, and I think she's with me every single day, every single day. I, I'll she saved my life. She changed my life in in many ways that I can't get into all right now. But so it she's just within me. I don't know how to explain it. She's within me. It's a beautiful and remarkable friendship that when they say a friendship lasts till the end of time, mm. this is what we mean by that. Mm. It's not like a fake friendship that you had, a temporary. It's friendship, Adma Vesrim. Yeah. yeah, I told her that I'm happy. I was towards the end. I told her a lot of painful truths about me, how I felt about her. A lot of uncomfortable relationships, uh, conversations we had at the end. But one thing I told her was that literally like a marriage, I was like, it really felt, I was like, I'm so happy that I felt this type of love and, and friendship in my life. And I'm so devastated that I'm losing it. But I would never have ever changed it. I would never change it for the world. Never. Like, I, I never, I pray that no one has to go through this suffering. No yeah. one has to experience this. And I'm so sad that she can't be here. And I am in shock. Like, I still can't believe that yeah. she's not here. Yeah. But I know that her soul will never, ever die. It's just never. so powerful. Her soul was powerful when she was alive. You felt her soul emanate. Like, it was so strong. And I know. And she told me, like, don't ever give up on connecting to me. Don't ever give up. Like, and, 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 I, and I really feel like that's maybe why I learned to meditate, why I learned to get more connected. It's to really to stay connected to her and, and hear her and, pro and just listen to her voice when I'm lost, when I'm scared. Like, just close your eyes and just, just connect and see what happens, you know? And I hope she's listening right um, now, <laughs> wherever she um, is. I hope so, too. I hope so. Too. I, I feel her love. I feel her love. Yeah. You know, there's people who... She loved you. I loved her too. We love you, Zorina. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people who unfortunately... They... They never have the privilege of having... A good friend. Someone who is there for them. And listens to them. And loves them unconditionally. So... It was such a honor and privilege for you to have that, yeah. that you had that with her. Yeah. Not too many people can say that they had a real, true, authentic, authentic friendship. But you know, I think Karen, she taught me how to do that. I wasn't able to have real relationships before, Jorina. I didn't even know how. But she taught me to be vulnerable. She taught me to be real. Like, she, she just... She got rid of the, the BS. She got rid of all that. And she taught me how to make, to have real authentic relationships, you know? And I don't want to settle. I'm not going to settle for anything but that. I'm not. I deserve it. I, the amount of love I have to give and offer to people is abundant. And I, I, I love people who are good people who want to give that. I, I want to give it back. But I think I deserve that back as well. And so she taught me to honor that and 
to stand up for to it stand too. up for that too and and to yeah and I'm just so I'm so grateful I'm so grateful that I had her in my life she gave me the ability to have authentic relationships she taught me how to do that by being her you know what I mean and so yeah beautiful Dina thank you thank you for sharing such vulnerable feelings with me and whoever's listening right now if there, I'm gonna ask you a hard question. I know it's gonna be, it's gonna be like an open-ended <laughs> question and kind of like a loaded question. <laughs> but what are your hopes and dreams for your life, for the world? Oh yeah, this is a tough one. But, uh, I always I'll ask try this to question. Answer it the best as, as best I can. My husband's like, Karen, you gotta like not ask that question. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Question. I just feel like Why it not? gets to the core of. Maybe, yeah. I mean, listen, I I really hope and pray that people learn to speak up for themselves, especially women, um, and, and really em- feel empowered through their voice because I think it's one of the most impactful power, um, superpowers that we have as women is our voice. Um, I hope that we are constantly taking care of ourselves and not thinking of it as selfish. Yep. Self-care for me is is just a it's a no-brainer. I mean, there's no way I could take care of others if I'm not taking care of myself. I know it sounds so cliche. I mean, we've heard it a million times, but there's just no way. And I don't care what anyone says. That's not selfish. That is love for yourself. That's putting yourself, giving yourself that respect and time is is just only going to help the people around you. And yeah. I know it firsthand. I've experienced it the other way and I know what it can do and so I I I think it's the most important thing and it's not as Dorina would always say, it's not about getting your nails yeah, done. Yeah, so I was just going to say and doing your hair. That's <laughs> it could self be. maintenance. Yes, that's maintenance. maintenance. You need to maintain your appearance. Yes, that's a given. You should take care clean your nails. You should go get a haircut. You should go color your hair. Of course, but that's not self-care. So define self-care, yeah. To me, self-care is being in the moment. It's like, how is Dina feeling right now? Is she angry? Is she mad? What does Dina want to do right now? What, it's, it's just like having an openness and being honest with yourself. Listening to yourself. Listening to yourself to me and is your self-care. Needs. Listening to my needs is self-care, exactly. And um, doing something I love, doing something that challenges me, that's self-care, in my opinion. I don't know. I just... I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, doing things that nourish my heart and soul. And that's the process that... That's the process of self-care. The discovery of what it is that lights you up. What is it that, like, makes you just shine bright? What is it? What is it? Figure it out. Because every single human being has that. That's what Darina was, it was clear to her that every human being has been given a light, a power, a strength that nobody else has. And what a shame it would be to die and, and have never discovered that. And that's really, Whew, I'm getting really, chills, Dina. Yeah. Like, and she, she did that. She hundred million percent left that mark on this world. She lived a very full life. 
she died way too young and her husband and children and her loved ones it's it's just a shame not to have her here physically with us but she lived a full life and in in the whole sense of the word she really did she yeah. fulfilled her dreams she lived like such a meaningful and purposeful life and her impact did an end there no it's... i'm i'm sure it's only the beginning i i'm sure it's only the beginning we we ha- we have no clue just like i had no clue what serena's passing would have done in my life what that impact would have i'm sure we don't have a clue where this is going to go and and yeah that's just my belief you know hopefully it should only bring goodness to the world and Amen. positive changes and Amen. i hope so and yeah thank you yeah. thank you so much dina thank you karen thank you so much for having me of course <laughs> dina i want to one last thing if people want to connect to you and they want to take parenting courses or a workshop with you one-on-one where can they find you how can they reach you um they're welcome to email me or you know reach out to me through social media through either instagram facebook um at dina kalati at dina kalati and yeah an email is dkalati at gmail so those are the easiest and quickest ways to get in touch with me and i'm open to different things so yeah beautiful the easiest way thank Thank you you so much for spreading your light today thank you karen thank you Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.